This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hey awesome nerds and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast uh, where we rewatch and recap television shows we really enjoy and talk about how the themes, concept and characters can be used in different role playing games. I am your ho-ho host Jeremy and I am joined by my co-ho host, a thief, Um, because ho-ho holy shit everybody's dead. Uh, Yep, it's the spirit of the season. Yeah. Yeah, and then I, in three days they'll all come back. I don't think they will. Honestly, Is that not Christmas. Is that... We might get a flashback um, and see them all alive again. But no, no, Christmas is Christmas is the other one where they're all like popped out into the world. Oh no, this is like. Um... Arasaka is like Santa Claus, right? And he's got this okay. like monopoly. Okay. It's like capitalism, right? He's yeah. got this monopoly yeah, on the gift I'm seeing giving. It. I'm seeing it. And then all the little helper elves are just these little pawns and he's moving around the battlefield. They're the, the max tag teams and the mm-hmm. fixers. And yeah, mm-hmm. they're just expendable. Okay, but what about Militech? Uh, Militech? Is that the Krampus? Yeah, or the reindeer, I guess. Or the reindeer. Okay, Militech's <laughs> the reindeer. Okay, I'm feeling <laughs> that this analogy is falling apart very quickly. No, the reindeer and the elves <laughs> hate each other. It's a well-known fact. Okay. Is it? Because... <laughs> Well, the reindeer get better benefits. But if Arasaka is Santa Claus, <laughs> then Max Tech's not really. I, I feel like no, no the, reindeer the, are Max the Tech's trauma the team. Yetis. <laughs> you, no, we've lost oh, it. We've lost yeah, this okay. one. I feel that you're going to have to work a lot more. Look, you've got an entire year to work on it. Um, another what, three hundred and sixty-four days. Right. Uh, yep. Next, come back to we'll us. We'll do our Christmas. annual annual Christmas rewatch. Annual Christmas of rewatch Cyberpunk. God no. We'll do Akira next year, all right? Uh, yeah. That's probably accurate. Uh, no, we are talking about episode 10 of Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Uh, my Moon, My Man. Which, is this supposed to be like a... Is this a song? Is this based on a song? Anyway. Uh, on, I think on all the of edge... them seem like song names, don't they? Yeah, or like drawn-off songs or something. I don't know. Anyway, uh, on the edge of cyberpsychosis, but determined to save Lucy, David storms into Night City as Arasaka plots to deploy their ultimate lethal weapon. I am going to give it to the Netflix writers here. That is exactly what happens. That is spot on. They nailed it. They Took nailed them 10 it. Tries. Took them 10 yep. tries to get there. They brought it through and they got it. I love it. I think that's probably the best one yet. And that is literally what happens. That's what happens, yeah. Yeah. All of the stuff coming up until now is David and Falco and um, Becca charge towards Arasaka to save Lucy and Arasaka gets a bit cage about that. They're like, oh shit, everything's gone. Everything's fucked up. Our plan has not gone well. Um, David basically loses it, slaughters his way up, and then Arasaka's like, oh, why don't we just send Adam Smasher after him? And that's exactly what happens. Adam Smasher comes along and everyone dies. Except Lucy and Falco. Who David's like, 
Falco, you've got to get her out of here. And um, Falco does. And he dies so she can get to the moon. The end. Tale as old as time. Yep. Send that bit. You know what? I'm not going to say that. I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm and you know what? The moon it's the moon's not that great. It's no, it's, it's it kind of sucks. It kind of sucks yeah, when she's there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even. You know what? I didn't like this. Didn't like it at all. Which wasn't, which part wasn't a did fan. you like? I didn't like the bit where everyone died. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was the part I didn't like. Um, and the bit of the moon. The moon bit really bothered you. The moon you. bit. I was just like, this should feel... I should feel something. And I feel nothing. So there was, there I was think, that. I think we both know... You don't care that everyone died. You care that Becca died. Okay, look, yes. <laughs> that is exactly right. I care that Becca died. And it was a nice moment too. I really liked that moment. I felt like it was unnecessary as well. Like I feel that the... The shot of her dead was unnecessary. Sure, sure, I can see that. Like, this is, like, for those, well, everyone's seen it, but, like, she has that moment with Lucy and she's like, it's fine that David likes you more and I'm actually glad you're back and we're friends and that's cool or whatever. And then she sees Adam Smasher come and he goes, fuck off, we're having a moment. And then he just lands on her. And that would have been cool if she just then exploded. Like, if it was a red smear, if it was, like, an actual explosion, and then it's like it goes on to the final fight. But instead, we get to see, like, half her head missing, and she's just kind of lying there. I'm like, nah. We did get the cool, like, triple replay. Yeah, well, of course. Of the moment of impact, yeah. Yeah. Which we didn't get for David when he dies. No, we didn't. Um, I like that they showed it. Because I feel like whenever there's like a quote-unquote off-camera kind of death, that's always, to me, that's always kind of unsatisfying because it feels like they're intentionally leaving it open to maybe it oh, comes yeah. back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, f- I did feel that about um about Kiwi's death that was a little bit off-camera. That happened in Stranger Things Season 4. Spoilers. Oh, yeah. there was sure. Well, I'm not going to say who, but there was a character who kind of like died off died. screen a little bit yeah um, like it and happened and then they come back and someone's holding them and then it's just like cuts away again yeah well they're like and they're very much a fan favorite character so there's a lot of like oh like we need to bring him back now because everyone loves him so much yeah because that happened but i feel with, like that um, bob the cheapens the death yeah well i guess bob did come back didn't she uh she didn't come if, back did she did she did they did very she? clearly went bob is dead here is her corpse not that's all you're gonna get. Oh. <laughs> Most definitely dead. I can't. I honestly can't remember the early seasons. Been no, so it was. It feels like it was forever ago. It must be like 2016 or something. I mean, those kids have like gotten old. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's what happens to children. They get old. We all get old. We all die someday. Like everybody in this episode died. Uh, nearly. Yeah. I mean, that's very much the theme of. You know, if we're bringing it full circle, I think that's always been the theme of cyberpunk. And yeah, yeah, that, that's well, kind of what they implied early on as well, right? It's like yeah. crash and burn. Yeah, that you crash and burn, but you just try to do something with the time that you have. Oh no, sorry, you try to make somebody else's life 
more special. Because what, what this is okay. This is what bugs me. David's yeah. lost. Like he goes cyber psycho like eight or nine times in this, and every single time they just like inject him with immunosuppressants. But finally he's out of them, and he's like saved Lucy, and they're falling down a building. She's like, "Come back to me," and kisses him. But he's back. He's back now because of that. Because she can like kiss him. Her saliva is immunosuppressant, apparently. Yeah, I mean that was a cool. It was a cool animation. Because yeah. they do the, um, the like, head spaz- spazzing out all over the place, all yeah. the eyes. And they show her, like, pulling it together. Yeah. No, I did like that. Because he's, like, flickering everywhere. And she, like, puts her hands on either side of his head. And then it's just his eyes flickering. And it's, like, bringing, like slowly bringing yeah. him back. And I really like that. But then the dialogue after it. Where she's like, oh, this is the exact... This is the one thing I didn't want you to do. <laughs> I didn't want you to just- die. <laughs> Everything with Lucy and David is just the yeah. This whole series. Like I'm on board with the tragic love story. I'm fine with that. But the fact that he apparently saw this as his only option, that the only way for her to get her dream is for him to be dead. Like for him to make enough money for her to just go to the moon. Like this is what I was saying last week where he had that, he seemed to be know that he, this was his last job. He was going to get yeah. enough money, send it to the moon. He's going to die of cyberpsychosis down here. And this was, his, he's like, I live for my dream. My dream is for you to have your dream. It's like, get fucked. Have your own dream, you tool. All right. Uh, Jeremy coming in hot for this episode. He's, su- he's such a tosser. All right. Here's, Just, all right. Counterpoint. He, okay. Ca- counterpoint. Devil's advocate. Okay. Um, there are a lot of parallels with this whole situation between David and his mother. Yes. And the way that his mother kind of sacrificed everything for his sake. Yes. So do you think maybe it's just like guilt on his part for, you know, like how, what his mother had to give up for him, you know? No, I think he and his mother are just very similar that he sees him, well, not he sees himself, but he has the same personality that she was part of a trauma team. She ran into places to save people, and that's what he does. He runs into burning buildings to save people. And this is something that they mentioned much earlier on. I think that's what um, Lucy says about him yeah. earlier, before they hook up. Like, yeah, that's right. She says that you're somebody who would go into the firefight, and I don't want you to do that because you will die eventually. He's like, no, I'm not going to die. I'll live forever. I'm special. But that's the point, that he's he's still not living his dream because his dream is to help other people. Yeah. And, okay, when I was 16, this would have been the most philosophical deep shit. I would have eaten it up with a spoon. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And now, like, do you begrudge I'm a little older. his mother? No, no. Do you begrudge his mother? Because that's what she did, though. Mm. Essentially, right? Is it, though? Think about how much she gave up just for David's sake. But it's different. Is it Well, like she put all that money away, you know, like day to day. She put a lot of money away and like she was working extra shifts, but she was also like working black market stuff so that she she could have an amazing life. Well, that's the thing, right? She's giving up her life for David's basically. Isn't that a parent thing? Isn't that what parents are meant to do? Ah. So that's like we're just we're splitting the hairs now, we're finding the details. Yeah, it's like, fine if it's like a parent child. 
Yeah, I feel it's fine if it's a parent-child because that's building the next generation and that's making the world a better place for the future. If it's you're making the world a better place for your peers and you're never going to enjoy it, that's like, yeah, I don't know. It's skeezy when you, when you do it for a girl. Like when you, it's like, I'm in love with you so much that I'm going to die and be epic and tragic and you're going to have a better life because of me. And there's that moment of, well, does she really like him that much? <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, this is yeah, his, like, this, first, first yeah. real relationship, I'm assuming, yeah. Like. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's the Romeo and Juliet super liminate yeah. or whatever it is. It's like super epic love that you can only you can only experience properly if you die for it. I'm like, mm. yeah. Eh. So I feel he could have Again, when to... I was younger, I would have yeah. eaten this shit up. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have a number of characters from my my teen years that I would have heard exactly David right now. Um, A couple of them are cyberpunk. I just feel that he could have done the same thing and not died. Sure, yeah. I think it's also that there are ways that they could have had him die which were better. Like, his death doesn't tie into her plot at all. Yes, I can see that, yeah. Like, if his death took the knowledge of her being connected to Arasaka as a child soldier down. Like, if he had to kill Faraday and had to go out in a blaze of glory so she would be safe. But instead, it's just like, I've got to make sure that you... I have to die and make sure you live. So you get to have a dream. It's like, eh. You could have done that without, you know, turning into a giant robot. Yeah, although it, in David's defense, I think as well, like a lot of it's going off the rails at this point. Like, yeah. there's a whole you know military, all of Militech is like chasing after them. Like, at a certain point, there's not really much he can do to get out of that situation. Yeah, right? yeah. There's a lot of things that this path was on. He was on for a very long time. Kind of a little bit railroaded, you could say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was very much that, that the party has been railroaded into a TPK at this point. It's like a total party kill, really. And although that being said, I love this as a way of doing a total party kill. Yeah, like if you're going to do it, do it right. Do it Like a TPK doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? No. No, and I want it like that where you have this one person just come along and smash the ever loving shit out of people. And it's not about like, you have that tragedy, like you could have prevent, maybe you couldn't have prevented it, but you're, it's the scene at the end of Rogue One where every, yes, the entire yeah. team is dead and Vader's in the ship and he's just slaughtering rebels left and right. And they're just struggling to get the the plans to another ship and it's this is the same thing they're just struggling to have at least one little win but the point is if you have that one little win then it's all worth it yeah and and they do they have lucy and falco get out yeah falco who we never see again lucy goes to the moon and falco i guess gets another hand yeah he Vico visits ripper doc they get married (laughs) yeah sure why not and Kiwi comes around and is like, yep, I'm I'm not bad anymore, but sorry for, for screwing everyone over. I'm dead now. 
But yeah, I, I love that as a TPK where you just see one person get knocked off and then another one. And then you're just starting to think, oh shit, maybe we don't get out of this. And that's when you start to have those self-sacrificial moments of I'm going to bring the fireball down on myself just in case it takes the bad guy out. Yeah. And yeah. I, that's the kind of moment I live for in D&D. I remember once we were doing a first level adventure and I think I was playing a paladin and like we were supposed to be raiding like the bottom of a keep as the army raided the top just to make sure no one could get away. And as we're doing it, um, the lich that owns the keep teleports down trying to get away and finds us. And I'm the paladin. And I just charged him, grapple him and go, everybody else run. Because I know there's no way we can kill this guy. And it was like, that's an epic way to go out. Of like, it's the fly you fools from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh my God. That gets me every time. I love it. It's so good. And I was like, I wanted that moment. That's an amazing moment to have. And that's the kind of thing you get here where you get to go, everyone's getting killed, but this person, everyone's going to make sure that person gets out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Honestly, you've just, yeah, you've nailed it. Honestly, that's pretty much said everything that I would say. Sorry. (laughs) I'm just really excited by that. It reminds yeah. me, there's a moment in, um, have you seen Serenity? The the movie of uh, Firefly. Oh, I have seen Serenity, yes. Yes, because there's a moment in that where one of the characters dies, like full on dies. And listening to the commentary about it, they specifically did that. So when things started to look dark later on, they knew, like the audience starts to think, oh shit, maybe everyone's going to die. Like, maybe we are just going to kill off each and every one of them. And sometimes you need a character death like that to to make it feel real. Like, even if David, if Falco gets out, if if one other person gets out, this would have had that feeling to me. Yeah, because I think who died? No one dies the previous episode, right? No, no one dies the previous episode. Well, a whole bunch oh. of people die, but no one we care about dies. <laughs> well, like, Kiwi does betray Falco, but she doesn't kill Falco. Um, yeah, no, she betrays him. She uh, shorts him out and chucks him down into the, the truck, but doesn't kill him. Yeah. Yeah. It just incapacitates. Because that's the thing. They're not interested in killing Falco and Becker at that point. They're just making sure David uses the cyberskeleton. Yeah. So it's quite happy. And yeah, it's... So yeah, no one gets killed in the previous one. Not this one, though. <laughs> this one... I know what? I really enjoy Kiwi's death as well. Like that whole... The redemption? Kiwi's, yeah, the redemption. Yeah. And just... That she takes out, well, she doesn't take out Falco, take out Faraday, but Faraday's double cross of her and getting a shot. And then she like uses the tech to, to distract his arm, which is a thing that kept happening to Maine. And then as she's calling them, she still shorts one of the guys shooting her out and blows his head up. And it's just like this great long shot of them shooting into a dumpster and then one of their heads just kind of shorts and explodes. Yeah. And it's like, what the hell did she just do to him? Well, I like the bit with Faraday just before that where he just like shoot. He puts his arm through like one of his henchmen, I think. And yeah, like it's like a hologram. Yeah. I wasn't sure. Did he shoot 
like he sh- popped the gun through it, or was the guy a hologram altogether and he was hiding somewhere else? I'm not else? sure. It looked like he just put his arm through a guy. Because that be guy, that guy's like one of the ones that goes after Kiwi afterwards. Oh, maybe. So yeah, I thought maybe it was, it was a, hologram. a hologram. Yeah, yeah. It was still really cool. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was a, a nice little moment. Like, Kiwi should never have gone to meet him in the first place. It was like, it was so very clearly like, you're going to get fucked very, over. Obviously, yeah. Um, I think it does present, like, an interesting kind of ethical moment as well for the characters. Mm. Where it's like, like, you've been burned by this person. You obviously hate them. But they're trying to atone for it, you know. And, like, do you forgive them or not? Yeah. Um, it's an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting kind of position to put them in, I think. And I think her death speech is better than David's, too. Falco, listen. Faraday, he will. My time's ticking down. Got you, too, did he? <laughs> yep. Did tag his AV, though. Set a new courts. Follow him. You'll find the bastard. Really expect us to trust you? I know, I know. <sighs> oh, Kiwi, look at you. Just hasn't been your day. And Lucy, she with Faraday right now? <laughs> you want that corp hugger dead, blood for blood? No, it's not like that. Taught Lucy never to trust a soul in this city. Everyone turns on you, some point or other. Just figure Faraday's long overdue to learn an important lesson. <sighs> Go get her for me. that she gets to be like when I brought Lucy into this city I told her don't trust anyone now it's Faraday's turn to go and find that out get him for me I'm dead yeah and it's like that's yeah, a cool not... that's a cool farewell speech yeah and it isn't like trying to because you know sometimes you'll have a villain who will try to redeem themselves and they'll maybe like try and negotiate in some way, which this very much isn't that, right? Like, she's going to die regardless. So this yeah. is her just, like, putting it out there. Like, you can take it or leave it. It's up to you, basically. Yeah. She's like, this. I'm just clearing my slate for me. Yeah. And I found it interesting. I know we kind of brushed... Or we didn't even brush over it last week. We found out why she's betraying them. Oh, why was she, actually? Because she was actually... Um, basically, Arasaka would have hunted her down for the Tanaka job. Oh. Yeah, because she was involved with that. It's like Faraday's got immunity from it. And he's basically holding that over her head. It's like, yeah, he's going to pay her, but they're also going to give her immunity from from killing Tanaka. Yeah. Which Um, I just found really interesting that she's kind of out for herself and it's like everyone else doesn't get that shot. Well, Becker and Falco are collateral damage because they weren't involved with it at all. Right. And David is the one they want. And Lucy was involved with it too. So it's like Kiwi's kind of over a barrel with them. And Faraday's just kind of using that. So she's kind of being just being blackmailed into it. And it's like she hates it, but she's got to do it. Or she's going to get killed and they're still going to be in the same situation. Yeah. Speaking of blackmail, we yeah. have, of course, above Faraday, these very secretive arasaka intel people yeah i i discovered that one of those names kate okay 
Um, I don't, not sure how I discovered that. I'm going to double check. Um, made that, made that up. I'm not sure why I, I, under the impression that her name is Kate, this is the, the boss one. Um, but apparently she has a name. I'm assuming they both have names. I do think it's interesting that there are, up until that point, it's only the two of them together and you kind of assume that they're perhaps like partners. Yeah. Then during this episode, you very much, you can see that there's a hierarchy there. Uh, she's like, oh, like obviously one of, someone has to take the fall for this. Like, yeah, and you, you know it's it. not going to be me. Faraday will be arriving shortly to deliver the Netrunner. As I thought, Martinez is after our fixer, not us. I'll order the pilot to turn around. No. Keep them on course for the dock. You'll meet them there. I will meet them there? You must have realized by now that someone would have to take the fall for this colossal clusterfuck. And surely you knew it wouldn't be me. Still confused? <laughs> Make sure that mangy fixer never makes it past the loading dock. Not a single step. And it just, it basically, it's like, it just keeps going. Like, no matter high, how high up the, the ladder you get, like, it's still just... Someone will be betraying someone else. Who will be betraying someone else? It just keeps yeah, going. It just keeps going, and you don't even ever get to see the people in charge. Yeah. But these two aren't the highest up. They're just two people who have to answer to somebody else. Uh, and I have actually found out they are Kate and Douglas. <laughs> Some really ordinary names. I love that as well because they're such ordinary names. Yeah. That it's like, these are the people who have decided our main character's fate. But yeah, they're just Kate and Douglas. They don't care. All right. Speaking of... Yeah. Kate and Douglas? Uh, okay, cool. Well, deaths and the fate of main characters. Yeah. How did you feel about Faraday and his ending? I thought that was amazing. Yeah. Um, what was it? He, oh, he, even at the end, he's trying to double cross. Like oh, they, he's got the he's got the trauma team coverage as well. Of course, he's got trauma team coverage. Yeah. I love That's such that. a great moment. Yeah, yeah, but even to the end, like he shows up and he's like, "I've got the girl here for you," and they're like, "Yeah, you you you're not getting in, buddy. Like you're not yeah. getting in here." And he's like, "Well, I've still got this." And then when David shows up, he's like, "No, no, Adam Smasher, kill that guy," and like <laughs> loses his leg. Like he's still trying to be like, "Look, I brought you the cyber skeleton." It's only after like David rips his leg off that he stops trying to to get back on side with it and then just i oh it's so good it's like everything i wanted like there's enough pain there's enough of him like scrabbling like a rat on a sinking ship there's just that right element of and then just the fact that he dies from falling like when you hit the ground there's no way of coming back like it's that yeah someone can shoot you and you can survive or that's personal but hitting the ground that's just a fact of life like, you can't fight gravity. And if you climb too high, that's what's going to happen. And that's exactly what happens to Faraday. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Took I the feel words like you're just right like really, you're really like jumping in there. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, you just said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I did like the, the trauma the team. Eyes. I think the, yeah, I think the trauma yeah. team's a nice touch. Because he has... Obviously, David's like having all those flashbacks. There's a lot of um, a lot of flashbacks this episode. A lot of yeah. like vignettes of like the earlier moments and stuff. Um, yeah. Oh, there's a whole thing early where he's doing that because in the first couple episodes, there's a lot of 
scenes of David like walking the streets of Night City. Yeah, and as and they're going back through the streets. By, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I really like that um, as well. Yeah, it's it's nice kind of full circle stuff. Yeah. yeah. And the flashbacks to his mother, like you want you're gonna to get to the top of Arasaka Tower and he's like, Yes I am, Mom. Yes I am. And he's just sitting on the top there in his like weird ass cyber skeleton suit, just looking out at the city like, Yeah, I made it. Look at me now, I'm the king of the world. <laughs> I just like how Trauma Team is, like, in a way presented as a bad guy in this series. I know. When, like, really, they're some of the best guys when you think about it. Because they're saving people. Yeah. Well, his mother was Trauma Team. (laughs) Yeah. For very, like, capitalist-driven reasons. But still, they're, like, saving people. Yeah. um, But, yeah, it's like they're they're snatching Faraday away, like, at the final moment. Yeah. And then he just slaughters them. Yeah. Um, Which, oh, there's uh, a great moment, I think, earlier where uh, there's, uh, there's some max tax squads. Yeah, who, there's two, in the past, three, ma- yeah. three max tax squads. Yeah, which in the past have been like that kind of gold standard of like, oh, like we've seen what they're capable of. Like, we know that these guys are the real deal. Yeah. Um, and it serves as a good like benchmark of power levels. Mm-hmm. And then when you see... Uh, even when Max like wants to pull out, they're like, "Arasaka's still like, Let's get out of here!" You're yeah. Just like, oh shit! Like, yeah. <laughs> I love that they get the they get the email or the message through. Just like Arasaka's got it from here. We're going. See us. Yeah. Oh, and actually, speaking of Arasaka, because it's Arasaka chasing them all through the the city. Militech gives up before they actually get there. And there is that moment. This is when we actually get to see Falco shine. Like. Yeah. There's that moment when David has to go have a nap because his meds are wearing off. He's like, I'm sleepy. Um, and it's like, okay, cool. Falco, you have to be the one to, to guide us through. And he's fucking amazing. Of course. He's like got yep. his harpoons. He's like flipping cars. He's like driving around. And it's like, you're good at one thing, Falco, and you're fucking amazing at it. I feel like the cars are essentially bulletproof until they get flipped or are airborne. At yeah, which then case they explode. They become, yeah, they become very volatile. <laughs> uh, I love this one moment where he like flips a truck, which then flips the cars behind it, which then land and flip the cars behind them. It's like this yeah. wave of like, all, frog hopping all the cars down there, which then means more cars are coming as well. Just, ah, uh, it was fun to see yeah. Falco just do this cool driving stunt scene. Yeah, there's been a lot of like the, there's like the driving action sequences. There's been a few of those yeah. throughout the series. Yeah. Um, I like doing the the gravity holes as they're driving yeah, as well. That's that was fun. cool too. Because I was like, what the hell is he doing? And then I realized that you drop it and then keep driving and it's just a big hole in the in the road. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Um, speaking of Arasaka, oh yeah, how could we? How could we forget? In one of these flashbacks, we see our boy Katsuo. That's right, we see Once our boy again. Katsuo. Is that is that when he's thinking about fighting? Um, yeah, something about I don't know. It's it's a motivational moment, right? It's like yeah. th- this is where I started the school bully. This is where yeah. I'm at. This is where I'm at. I'm at the Katsuo area. Katsuo's probably doing pretty well for himself at this point, right? Like You reckon? Um Well his dad's dead, I guess. His dad's dead, and he was in hospital apparently for a while. So But I'm who knows how much time has passed, so Like, do you think Arasaka really gives like a lot of insurance, like life insurance for their Surely, surely. I don't know. I don't think Katsu is gonna do that well. I think he's gonna get out kicked out. 
he, I reckon Katsuo hit the gym and got super swole like oh, yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. He like really he, just, It doesn't make like up really for his into insecurity. Dragon Ball Z. Like, yes. <laughs> he <is. laughs> He's the um the nerd bro who's really into Dragon yeah. Ball Z and take like he he goes back and like gets into all the RPG uh chips and like starts his own little um D&D club in Arasaka and yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Alright, that's our fanfic. For, <laughs> this has been the end of our Catsway fanfic podcast. Thanks for Hey, listening. Canon accepted. <laughs> do, 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 do. Hey, Canon accepted. It's been a while since I got to use the Hey, Canon accepted jingle, so I'm glad we had that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it was nice to see Katsu in there as well. Because it does feel like right. it's a full circle. This is David's life in full. We have to talk about the Smasher in the room. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Bull and the Shop. Not Adam, Adam Smasher. Adam Smasher. Up and Adam. Up and Adam. Up and at them. Um, I will never stop quoting Simpsons. Adam Smasher. Fuck. That is a good full boss. Full Borg. Yeah. Yeah, full Borg. And I love that he does kind of... He goes off the rails too. Like the... Kate and Ka- Doug, as we know them, uh, <laughs> kind of Douglas. bring him... No, no, he's Doug. He's Doug to his friends. Dougie. Dougie. Dougie to his friends. Like, basically says, Adam Smasher, this cyber skeleton was meant for you. Do you want to go down and just, like, get rid of it for us? He's like, sure, whatever. I don't care. It's useless. It's, it's dismi- He's dismissive of it. Like, he's like, that's nothing compared to me sort of stuff. And he really just goes, everyone is going to die. Everyone here going to die. The meat is weak. I'm like, fucking hell, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, like I wish they'd built him up a bit more. Yeah. Um, in previous episodes, but all in all, like, because it's just not a contest, right? No. Like he just fully demolishes David in this fight. Like he's got a Sandy as well, and it's really like he's just slaughtering him. It really isn't even a challenge. Um. Uh, yeah. It's not. It's not even close. Like at the end. Yeah. He yeah. just tears off his... He's just like, you know what? I'm done with this fight. And he just tears off his arms and yeah. Yeah. Well, he doesn't tear off his arm. He tears off the anti-grav, which is like yep. what's keeping the suit from from collapsing under its own weight. And he's like, yeah, you're just so weak. You can't even use this thing without those. And like Lucy's trying to get into his head and it doesn't work because he's just like, no, nah, I got better tech than that. That was cool as well. Like yeah. he kind of like reached up like the visuals. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome visuals. And just, oh, I love that he just doesn't even... Falco just runs and he goes, bam, shoots him away. That's it. Doesn't even worry about Falco. Um, yeah, I think the visuals as well with a lot of the, like, net runny stuff and, like, the cyber psychosis, it's, mm. it's one of those things where, like, it, w- it can only be done with animation, you know? Like, it just wouldn't work. No, live action, you'd have to have, like, some extreme close-ups and like a lot of jump cuts it wouldn't work as well yeah it would just it would be very unsettling and it would be the right kind of unsettling but it would also be hell to watch yeah and i like i like that that it's obviously you're using the the medium as well as you can but the fact that it fits as well within the story right like it's not just for the sake of it yeah yeah, that it's not just this is our edgy way of looking at it. It's, it's the style. Of, I'm reminded of um, 
uh, Madoka Magica Girl, I think it is. The, the very famous, the very famous anime. Um, and one of the things they had was when the, the witches and the, the demons showed up, the art style changed significantly. Like it stopped being animation and there were a lot of actual live action footage put in. Like in the background, it was like this weird cutout oh. and you'd see like film strip going past. And it's to indicate that the world that they're used to, this little animated world, is not is getting twisted by this thing. Oh, I haven't seen that. I'll have to check it out. Don't. It's so sad. It's oh, I was okay. the maybe it's just me. The final episode I was bawling for a good fifteen of the twenty minutes. It's like so yeah, that um that says something about it, doesn't it? Look, listeners know I cry a lot, so that's fine. <laughs> I didn't cry at this, even when Rebecca died. Yeah, I think it's... um, It wasn't sad in that sense, I think. Because there's a lot of... I think the Rebecca death kind of hits you because you're not expecting it. But yeah. for it David, is... you know, the writing's on the wall. Like... Yeah. For, for Rebecca, it's like they're pinned down and like she's just come to terms with the fact that David prefers Lucy and Lucy's safe. And there is that moment of, oh, maybe they can get out of this. And then not. Nah. No, she's dead. They're all going to die. Yeah. Yeah. So there was that. But it was also that this show has very much made the clear that life is cheap. Yep. Very much so. Yeah. How would um, you do that in a D&D or a, an RPG? How do you make sure that life is cheap without affecting the characters too much? Like, without killing off a, a player character too much. I say player character. I, well, I, yeah, a character. I was going to say playing, killing off a player. Try not to kill off your players. <laughs> People get mad when you kill off your Try players. Out. Try not to. No. Uh, but accidents happen. Um, well, like a, a good NPC can achieve the same thing. I mean, yeah, NPCs are there to... NPCs are like your most useful tool, right? They're so versatile. Hmm. Um, but ideally, you just want an NPC that the players are already attached to, essentially. Yeah. Um, like a stand-in pseudo-character, I guess. It's sort of the easy way. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm trying to think of who the example would be here. I guess Kiwi. Yeah, I suppose. Or even just like Maine and stuff, you know. Yeah. If he was Dorio. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it was always Pila. Pila was always the NPC in the group. Uh, yeah. There's moments of here. I feel like last episode. Okay, if this was all an RPG, if this was a game that somebody was playing, last episode Lucy's player wasn't at the table. Like, they were away yeah, for the week yeah. or whatever. So yeah. Lucy just became the damsel in distress and the plot kind of went on without right. them. And this is very much the game master and the rest of the group going, okay, we're kind of over it now, so can we just wrap it up? Like, yeah. let's just go after Arasaka. It's like, oh, I guess... Now we've got like this cool, cool tech. It's like, no, you can't. They've got like Adam Smasher, who is like so super powered, like overpowered compared to anyone. And yeah, just cuts the campaign very short. Yeah, it's like, uh, guys, we've only got the, the game store rented for another hour. Like, it's just, <laughs> let's just wrap this up. Yeah, I really want to get back to like a, a different game, Twilight Imperium instead. Yeah, that's sort of what it felt like to me. Um, all right, so I had a question for you. 
Yeah. Okay. Because uh, this whole series, they keep saying like, oh, true. David keeps can David keeps saying <laughs> they do say true. Um, David keeps saying like, I'm special. Yeah, I'm special. He is special. Do you at any point believe that? No. Okay. Do you think that other people believe that? Yes. Yeah. Because I feel like that's that's kind of what they're going for, right? And there's even until the end, there's like a little bit, just a hint of, well, like, is he special? You know, like, can he do this? There is. Well, see, this is what I I get the sense. I don't think he's special because Adam Smasher is someone who's already achieved what they're all trying to achieve with it. Like, he has gone full Borg. He yep. is com- he's just a a robot, essentially. And at the end where he's like, maybe you could be, you'd make a great construct. And Dave was like, fuck you, man. I'm going to die pretty sort of, sort of attitude that Adam Smasher is very aware that, yeah, other people can be like me. Like it's not a special aspect of people. It just, you need that right headspace at the right time. And some people are slightly better towards it, but it doesn't make them special. It just means we're not looking very hard. Yeah. And I think that's what it is, that everyone who Arasaka and all these other companies are doing, they're going through test cases. They're not looking in the right spot, but people can do this. So they believe that David is special, but that doesn't mean that he is. But that's only oh, like that, that kind of point, that he is in the sense that he's someone that could become like Adam Smasher. Yeah, I think... But it's the not fact actually that, that unique. Yeah, I think the fact that there is... Like, Adam Smasher does kind of change the game, essentially. Yeah. Um, the fact that he is kind of what they're aiming for, like, he already kind of exists, does kind of mm. shoot down that idea. Um, but I guess it's that whole... I mean, that's the whole point, right? Is that there's this this balance and this kind of what if. Like, because you want him to succeed, right? You want him to... As, as stupid as he is, you're like, oh, like I want him to succeed. I want him to be to use the Sandy and like still mm-hmm. go to the moon. I don't want him to go to the moon. He's a tool. <laughs> Everyone loves the moon. Apparently, no. It looks really dull. Yeah, it really does. I mean, Lucy seems to. Well, they, I want to ask you about how does what does the last scene mean to you? Where she's on the moon and like people, it's pretty much the same as the brain dance she had with David before. And she's just I mean, kind they, of walking around and she has the, the vision of him doing the same thing as the brain dance. Um, I mean, there is like the little voiceover, like the tourism voiceover, which is like, uh, the anti-grav is like nothing like in the brain dance. Yeah. Um, they do kind of explicitly say that. So wh- um, what do you, what do you feel that that is meant to imply that she re- achieved her dream and it's nothing special without him or she achieved a dream and it's like not as good as she imagined it or is she now free of it all? What's your take on, on I this? think kind of a little bit of all of the above, you know, I mean, mm. we don't really know her motivations for the moon that much really. Yeah. Um, Cause we just know that she was a uh, Arasaka yeah. corpo kid. Well, she wanted to get as far away from Arasaka as possible. Essentially. I mean, that's kind of essentially what it is. I don't think there's too much to, like, look into it. Obviously, you would be, like, pretty regretful, I think, without David there at that point. Mm. Um, 
obviously, you know, the moon's her original dream, but she would have had a different dream, you know, after meeting David. Yeah, her dream was to go to the moon with him. Yeah. I have so many... I want to say that maybe the fact that made him special was the fact that he was in love with her, and that's what was able to keep him going for as long as he did. Like, if she had not been around, he would have become Adam Smasher like that. Yeah, so what about, like, if you have a player character, Mm. I guess, like, putting it in that context of... Because everyone wants to be... Everyone wants to be David, yeah. Yes. Um, How do you handle that, you know? Do you you pull an Adam Smasher out? Yes, but I have reasons for it. And I'd usually don't make them that much of a curb stomp. Like I would, I would wouldn't kill them. I just make it, just let them know that they're outmatched at this stage, because I feel that player characters are special. That's why that story is about them. Yeah, I guess it, the I guess the other follow up question is like, what what does it mean to be special? Like, what is how are you defining that? I mean, I'm defining it that they're the ones that gain experience and go up levels. That's what makes them special. They're, they're able Pretty to much, see yeah. through the world and understand that there's mechanics that allow them to to gain gain abilities as they get older. Um, whereas the rest of the world just stays in this stagnant... Yeah, it just kind of, kind of stays... <laughs> stagnant medieval timescape. Like a giant spreadsheet and like as the days were passing, you're like updating all your villages and... <laughs> all the NPCs. It's yeah. like, I have a level 10 blacksmith now. And it's like, it's only the ones that the characters have interacted with for whatever yeah. reason, you know. Yeah. Just, just they're, 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 um, they're infecting the group around them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I think I saw like a post the other day and it was like, I think it's like if you kill like six rats a day for like 16 years or something, like you can become a level 20 wizard or That's whatever. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, something like that. You really got to grind as it gets like later and later. So you just got these like rat exterminators that are just the big bads <laughs> yeah oh that should always be the case rat exterminators rule the world because they're just always yeah it's got to be a challenge as well that's the thing this was a thing right. in in um i think it was second edition where they did point out that if you need like five experience points to go up a level and you go out with your entire party and go hunt down one orc and that everyone holds you holds the orc down and you stab them until they die you don't get experience for that because it's not yeah. a challenge. It's not a threat to you. But if you go out by yourself and hunt down like a were-orc, sure. Uh, that's an interesting point. And uh, yeah, like a good guideline to follow as well in terms of just, you know, rules are, you know, this is like raw versus uh, written as intended, you know, an understanding yeah. that rules are like trying to quantify something that's still pretty abstract ultimately. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you use... You don't use XP, right, in your games? Or? I'm, I don't usually. I'm thinking about going back to it. Oh, interesting. Why? Um, particularly for lower levels, I'm thinking about going back to it because I do like some of the attitude it gives players. Like, a little bit of it is, hey, we need to stab everyone to get all the XP from them. But they do seem to want to come back more often for that 
Like, I think it gives you a bit more of a sense of this is how far we're achieving things when you get XP at the end of each session. Do you give XP for non-combat things? Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 And I think XP at the end of a session is the best way to go. Like, just turning up to a session, you get, I don't know, well, let's say it's like much higher levels. You get 500 XP for showing up. Yeah. So it's like you have a steady progression. And even if you do nothing in this session, if all you do is talk to the king, if all you do is make a plan, you will get XP and you will eventually level up. But it will be just that. I mean, that's what Milestone is sometimes. It's like it takes you four sessions to get through this thing. So you level up at that point. It's like, well, what if you're just giving a quarter of the XP needed each session? It gives the same progression feel. But if you go out and fight a dragon in the third one, well... Yeah, that's probably where the story would have leveled it up anyway. So I like that as a... I like to see numbers go up on a sheet yeah. aspect. Um, so yeah, I'm thinking about doing that for a little bit more of the the monster hunt campaigns. The ones yeah. without an overall story where it's just like, hey, you get to go out and you have some adventures and then you come back and maybe you don't for a couple of weeks and then you do again. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I definitely see the appeal. Um, I think there are definitely some players that like that as well. I think that's a lot of, uh, a lot of rules are kind of like that. People think that rules, uh, like more rules just equals more complicated and that it might bog things down, but yeah, rules can help players with understanding. Cause it's like, like you could just ask your GM like, Oh, like what would happen if this, but like sometimes you don't want to do that. Right. Not for mm. every little thing. Like you want to know just for your own sake, what your capabilities are. Like, oh, these rules say that I can do this. Like, okay, cool. Now I just know that and I can file that away in the back of my head. And XP is kind of an extension of that as well. Where you're like, oh, okay, I know. Like, I'm close to leveling up. Yeah. Like, I'm really far away, yeah. And I think it's also a good way of, as you get more XP, you kind of start to understand, or your character would start to understand the threat levels of things. Yeah. A little bit like it kind of gives a in-world mechanic for that. Like if at level one, killing, I don't know, an owlbear is a big deal. Because owlbears give you a certain yes, amount of XP and of you'd course, level yeah. up probably from killing an owlbear. At level yeah. 15, not so much. Because you have that experience. You know how to deal with an owlbear. You felt many owlbears. And I like that idea of it, that doing something that you've done a lot doesn't affect your abilities as much as, you know, doing something for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 I think I'm very wise in that regard. (laughs) I don't know. I feel that we've probably drifted off a bit from Cyberpunk, but that's really kind of everything about the episode, isn't it? There's, There's not too much else. Yeah, you've got I anything mean, else to say? No, it's it's all those themes are there from the yeah. series the the capitalism, the you know crashing and burning out, and uh, yeah, just all the betrayal stuff is still there. And it's yeah. I mean that's what this and the series as a whole it's it's short and it's sweet and it's it sticks with you, you know. Yeah, like it's a good series overall, very good. That's one thing I think we'll probably talk about this in the wrap up as well that I like about Cyberpunk is that it's this is it. You see this one little flash of this person's life in that world and that's it. We're not going to have an ongoing multi-year arc of David's life. 
we might see yeah. someone else in this world, but his story is over. Yeah. And I love that for, for RPGs as well. I want to try and make that a bigger thing in RPGs. Um, but I guess we probably should wrap it up there. Let people get back to whatever's left of their uh, Christmas dinners. Because, um, of course, everyone who listens to these the day they come out, they definitely don't yeah. listen to them in the future. So, Speaking uh, of Christmas dinners... Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, going back to your terrible segue from last episode. I don't know what you're talking about. That was a great segue <laughs> last episode. And this one, I was doing really well until you interrupted me on that one. <laughs> I'm sure. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, it is one last thing to do. Uh, one last present to give. There, uh, We'd still need to come up with a player character or NPC from the episode we just watched that we would use in our games. Uh, and I have been saving mine for quite a while, uh, ever since episode one. Well, ever since the first watching. Um, but I'm going to let Afif go first, since you are my co-host. Oh, you've really hyped this up for yourself. I know, right? I want it to be a surprise for everyone. Is it Lucy? No, I did Lucy in the second episode. Oh, is it David? I did David in the first episode. Oh. <laughs> uh, is it Cat's work? <laughs> No, it's not Katsu. Are you going to pick Katsu again? <laughs> no, I've picked him once. Um, I think I'd go with the Arasaka Intel folks. Um, oh, Kate and Douglas. Yeah, Dougie and Dougie. Katie. I did like them. I thought they were really cool. I like them as like the shadowy villains behind it all. Yeah, they're Ooh. just like the right level of kind of mysterious. Yeah. Um, and still, you know, there's a plot hook there, right? Like that's a spin off campaign or, or whatever. Yeah. You could have them as those recurring villains who kind of show up in all your different campaigns. And they're always kind of behind everything, but they're never really active enough for them to be taken out. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That was That's cool. Um, I'm actually going to go for probably the MVP of the show, uh, Falco. Falco. <laughs> <laughs> Save the best till last with Falco. Simply before the driving scene. Uh, and it's that idea that you always have to have one thing. Like, every player is good at one thing. That's what makes them special. Uh, that's why yes. they're a, an adventuring party. But this is that opportunity where they let him show it off. It's like, I have no other skills. I put all my skills into driving, and I'm going to drive. That's yep. that's why I'm picking Falco. It's like that, that character where it's like, I am good at exactly one thing. And God damn, am I going to use it every single time? The only spell I know is fireball, and it is the solution to everything. Yeah. Nah, Falco's great. I yeah, Falco's great. That. So that's kind of my choice. The, the person who's very specialized, but you're in a campaign that warrants that specialization. And for the rest of the stuff, you're just kind of there. So uh, that's why I'm picking Falco for this one. Yeah. And that's it. We've gotten through um, the, the series Cyberpunk Edgerunners. Um, please subscribe wherever podcasts are found so you can tune in next week and listen to us uh, wrap up the season. Uh, just talking about, well, all the stuff we've been talking about all season, really, um, but in a more general way without the episode as a guide. How much fun does that sound, everyone? That's right. I Ooh. could hear all of your answers just then. I considered pulling up my soundboard and just having the applause go, but <laughs> that'll be fun. Uh, if you do want to listen, as I said, subscribe where any podcasts are found. Uh, you can leave reviews on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much for listening. You can get in touch with the podcast um, uh, at dndntvpod on Instagram, or send an email to 
dndntvpod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Masters of Alchemy, the premier game mastering service in Melbourne, where we offer different packages of running RPGs for you. You can ask a thief to run Cyberpunk for you so you can get to meet his version of Adam Smasher. I'm sure everyone would love that. Uh, but until next time, stay safe, uh, be kind to yourselves, Wesley crushed out there, and may all your hits be crits. <laughs>